This is a Relay Project. Real Talk starts right now. Here's Ryan Jesperson. Well, thanks for joining us on Real Talk, whether you're streaming it on YouTube, downloading the podcast, wherever you found the show, we appreciate you being here. Coming up in uh, about a half an hour's time, we're going to check in with a former Alberta Premier who wants the job again. She wants the keys to the office. Rachel Notley is going to tell us what is the NDP's plan to win Alberta. That's coming up on this show. Plus, in a few minutes, heart health. Women in Canada are facing huge barriers to receiving care and It's a big problem for what we think are obvious reasons. We're going to find out what the situation is, why, and how to fix it. That's coming up in just a few minutes. Everybody across the country right now is talking about the handshake. (laughs) I'm right, right? Like, as soon as I say it, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Alberta's Premier Danielle Smith meeting with the Prime Minister, Justin Trudeau, yesterday and offering up a limp biscuit, an indicator of exactly where their relationship stands, but it I think flop. Johnny, should we roll the video just for Let's people catching it. it on YouTube that, that maybe haven't had a chance to see this? This is really their first meeting in person. Alberta's Premier and the Prime Minister, they're going to talk about health care. They're going to talk about the just transition. He reaches out the handshake, as you know people do in normal circumstances, <laughs> and it just absolutely flops. Here's how it goes. You can see Alberta's Premier reaching out her hand, and yeah, she, she doesn't want to shake it. She, she offers it up almost as though he's going to kiss the ring, and of course then they sit down forever immortalized and it's got everybody talking have you ever found yourself in a scenario where you just misfired on a handshake i always that that's like the big thing when you're meeting someone right gotta get a firm handshake not too firm are my hands sweaty this kind of thing but there was an obvious like pullback from her i don't know if she was trying to like like diss him there or maybe miss the handshake entirely but it was definitely awkward yeah one of the things that sucks for danielle smith is is that when you're the premier or when you're the prime minister when you're a leader in a very prominent position these types of things are analyzed frame by frame 100 and if she did a bit of a double clutch mentally mm-hmm. do i want to be photographed shaking his hand i mean she probably wanted do we have that jason kenny photo there was that iconic jason kenny photo you may remember this when he was meeting with the prime minister and here's the thing video and photo are two different mediums i know i'm telling you something that you already no, but but photos capture a, a millisecond in time and oftentimes can speak a million words. And there it is. You've got the premier at that time staring disdainfully at Trudeau's hand, trying to decide whether or not he's going to grasp it. Now, now, the video of this actually doesn't play out like that. There was a split second where Jason Kenny looked at the hand and then shook it like professionals do. But here, you wonder if maybe she was going for the photo, the photo for her base, the photo that showed she's not a buddy with the prime minister. She's not going to be overwhelmed by his power when she's there in Ottawa. It's like she thought to do it, and then she's like, no, I shouldn't be. Oh, And then it just made for, now it's amazing. I remember my grandpa telling me when he was teaching me how to shake hands when I was like eight, Grandpa Rudy says, now one of the things, and and he was downtown, right? He was a big executive with Chevron. He was was one of their drilling guys, one of their engineers, chemical engineers. And and he told me one of the things with a handshake, he says, you never let go first. He was teaching me this (laughs) one. He says, you never want to let go first. 
So I put this out on Twitter and I was having some fun with it like everybody else was yesterday. I said, folks, when you find yourself in a situation like this, like Danielle Smith did yesterday, press pause, maybe crack a self-deprecating joke about how it went. Sure. I do this all the time in person. When I offer out a handshake and it doesn't work and the people get the end of my fingers and it's just, I'm going, they're going to be talking about that for 10 years. Mm -hmm. You ever met that Jesperson guy? Yeah, he's got the worst handshake of anybody (laughs) I've ever met. I said, you know, make a joke about it, maybe going viral on video and then offer up a do-over. Sure. Where you assertively try to you know break the other person's hand and uh, of course we've had a lot of fun with it folks were passing along an article out of forbes this was published a number of years ago and it's what your handshake basically says about you super revealing things that your handshake can say about you Mm -hmm. now number one you don't want the limp dead fish but you also don't want the bone crusher right you don't want to try to break someone's hand people are going to wonder what are you overcompensating for it's like the pickups that are lifted 16 inches with big exhaust blowing coal you know what i'm talking about there's the fancy handshakes now now this forbes article was written before the pandemic Mm -hmm. and so they said no fist pounding don't try to be cute i think there's more fist bumping now than ever before Mm -hmm. people are more germ conscious than they were don't be a lingerer you know, Grandpa Rudy intended well, meant well when he talked to me, but don't try to prove something by holding the hand forever. That gets a little bit weird. Don't rush the handshake. Don't look away. Eye contact's important. The perfect handshake, John, maintain your posture. Make eye contact. Hold your right hand. Don't give a good firm shake. Follow the two-second rule and try to smile the entire time i'm gonna go left from now on and just throw everyone off <laughs> see what happens <laughs> like zoolander <laughs> he went left you can let us know what you think about the handshake is this much ado about nothing or or actually did this embarrass alberta on the national stage like some people are asserting i've seen some people lapping it up they think that premier smith was the big winner in this exchange I'm going to respectfully disagree. I think it made it look like she doesn't understand the purpose of a handshake. She doesn't understand the power of a moment in front of rolling cameras. Of course, these are the types of things we're going to analyze and dissect ahead of the next provincial election. You can send us your thoughts anytime to talk at ryanjesperson.com. Hey, by the way, to our email inbox, we already have received trash talks about the handshake and you'll be hearing that on friday presented by our friends at local environmental services in just a second why are women in canada facing such significant barriers to heart health i mean let alone getting it all diagnosed in the first place it's a real issue and we're going to blow the doors off on that story so we can all better understand it in just a second first speaking of hearts Oh, this is the worst segue I've ever done, but it might also be the best. What's your plan for Valentine's Day? Have you got it figured out yet? Friesen Brothers wants to bail you out on a couple of fronts. Number one, they've got their sweet and savory charcuterie boxes. You can share the love of really great food by placing your order for a Valentine's Day charcuterie box from Friesen Brothers right now on their website, Friesen.com. You know, they've got 16 locations across the province of Alberta, which means that there's always one nearby. If you pre-order, it makes it nice and easy. And of course, you get the benefit of looking like you put a lot of planning into this whole affair. Coming up February 14th, you're going to want to pre-order today at Friesen.com. 
Now, if you're looking for a bit of a different flavor on Valentine's Day, why not look to our friends at the Dairy Queens of Northwest Edmonton and Sherwood Park? The legendary Triple Truffle Blizzard Cake is available for order at the Dairy Queens of Palisades, Nemeo, Newcastle, Westmount, and Baseline Road. Romance is in the air. Share a sweet moment of Blizzard Cupid Cake Bliss with this perfectly shareable, made-for-you-and-yours, heart-shaped Triple Truffle Blizzard Cupid Cake. You can order it today for pickup at the Dairy Queens of Northwest Edmonton and Sherwood Park. And of course, with all this talk about food, let's not forget about the other loves in our lives, our furry family members. If you're a dog or a cat owner and you're looking to ensure that they are with you as long as possible, Grand Dog Essentials Quality Raw Food wants to make sure that you're feeding your dogs the best possible food. And of course, that means a great mix of protein. It means everything that animals need to achieve their ultimate health. If you don't know a whole lot about feeding a raw diet, maybe your pets are on kibble right now, whether they're a puppy, whether they're in their prime, or whether they're at an advanced stage, there's a perfect formula for you at granddog.ca. I recommend their blog link with great insights on high quality protein for dogs and cats. They'll deliver right to your door in Alberta, Edmonton, Calgary, and Red Deer area in particular. And don't forget, the promo code REALTALK knocks 10% off your first order at granddog.ca. Does someone that you know and love live with heart disease? Is this something that's been all over your family's radar for reasons that pain you? Perhaps you're watching them do everything they can to find some sort of insight, let alone an official diagnosis, and then the fight for treatment just begins. Heart attacks and strokes are actually the leading cause of premature death for women in Canada, but very little progress has been made to address systemic inequities in how these conditions are diagnosed and treated. Uh, We're joined in studio by two people who know exactly what this landscape looks like. Bobby Joe Green is a mom at a relatively young or early point in your life. You were diagnosed with heart disease. I'm so grateful you're here to talk about it. Dr. Colleen Norris, an epidemiologist with a whole bunch of insight into why this is the case and what we need to do about it. Thanks for joining us around the Urban Timber Real Talk Roundtable. We appreciate it. Bobby Joe, you've you've just turned 30 at the time. You're an avid runner. And then all of a sudden, it seems what? Out of nowhere, you're having a hard time catching your breath. Yeah, I started to have exercise intolerance. That was my very first symptom of heart, that there was something wrong with my heart. Unfortunately for me, I did not know that that was a sign that there could be something wrong with my heart. So I was having some fatigue um, issues catching my breath while running. I wouldn't be able to get through my runs anymore. Um, and at the time, I didn't know. So I didn't really investigate it thinking it was my heart. Um, I did go to my doctor thinking that, you know, maybe I had some kind of flu that I couldn't get rid of. And I was reassured everything was okay. Um, and I just kind of tried to self-care my way out of it for a mm. good year, right? The yoga, the meditation, earlier bedtimes, try to decrease my stress, which was impossible because I was a teacher and a mom and, and everything else. Um, but after about a year of that, I had my first real... I call it a heart event. So it's when I, I actually had every almost every symptom of a female having a heart attack. I had pain in my chest. 
more of a squeezing actually. I had pain into my left arm, into my jaw, my neck, uh, my teeth, shoulder blades, and I was tacky. So, um, and then, you know, that was the first time I really went to the ER thinking it was my heart. Um, to find out that the ECG, so that first test you get to check what's going on with your heart when you get to the emergency, it showed that my heart wasn't getting enough oxygen, but then the other tests were okay. So then I was deemed to have some anxiety. I was given a muscle relaxer and I was sent home with tips on stress management. Did you find that you, you had any solace, any peace of mind at that point or, or had that created more questions than answers? Um, no, at that point I was fine with that answer because I trusted the institution. I trusted what those doctors were telling me. There was no, why would I, why would I go against that? Why at that point, why would I second guess anything? So then I just went for the rest of the year, but then I kept having these symptoms. I kept presenting at emergency with the exact same presentation, the exact same results. It's stress. Um, and that's when I really started to second guess. Understandably so. Yeah. Uh, Dr. Norris, how common is Bobby Joe's story with women across Canada? You know, it's more and more common. And um, I met Bobby Joe a few years ago when we were doing our Wear Red campaign, which is on February 13th. Um, to bring awareness about women's heart disease. And the more I listened to Bobby Joe, I heard other people telling me the same story. And these were younger women. And, and you can look at Bobby Joe. She's not the picture of someone with heart disease that we typically think of. She doesn't have high blood pressure. She's not a smoker. She was an athlete. And um, we keep, ha ha I kept hearing these stories over and over and saying, okay, we're really missing the boat here it, at the, um, emergency departments and clinicians don't see it. So they see Bobby Joe and say she looks fit and so it can't be her heart. And then we started having women that um, went over and over to emergency and it was the same thing. They were being sent home. And often the diagnosis for women, especially around Bobby Joe's age, is anxiety. Or they say something's wrong with your stomach. Go talk to your doctor about it. So I decided I, we needed to investigate that in Alberta. And in fact, we have 300 women a year that go to an emergency department, and it might be their fourth or fifth time, are sent home and within 30 days come back having had a heart attack. Jeez. And that doesn't count the ones that died before they got back to the hospital for their heart attack. It's huge. And it's specific to this younger women, well, 35 to 55-year-old women. Because we always assumed that heart disease happened in women, but it happened later. You know, after you hit menopause, you were like a man, and then you would have your sure. Heart. But that's not the case. This is the picture of heart disease in women. I'm trying to walk a mile in your running shoes. Mm. And I'm trying to imagine where my head would be at as a young person, uh, a young parent, a spouse, somebody who's got a family and a promising career. All of the reasons. Can I just cut to the chase? All the reasons why you don't want to die. Exactly. And I'm having tight chest and pain in the left arm, which or you know, tightness and everybody kind of understands the implications of that, yet no answers. You're still presenting. It's still persisting. And then do I understand correctly? You went for about a decade Does for about 10 years of hell before you were able to finally get this diagnosed. What, what was the game changer? What happened? Um, along the way, like there were physicians and here's another barrier. There were physicians who wanted to help me. They're truly, and they're there, they're still in my corner. But the problem is, is that the testing is inadequate. The treatments are inadequate. The whole diagnostic process is inadequate, right? So I, I met a cardiologist who I finally got in to see after crying, and it happened to be an ER, a female ER physician who gave me the referral. 
And he wanted to help and he wanted to help. So he's sending me for these tests and they're all coming back okay. They're all coming back okay, despite this pain that I'm having. So he's trying to help, but the tests are negative. He's giving me treatment to try to see if it works. It's not working. So he's scratching his head. There's nothing left to do. So what do we do, right? So, I mean, there was so many barriers. I mean, there was the, the point of contention all the time at the ER, um, all the time. But I did have a few doctors, I'd say four, through this whole process, who were there and trying to help and trying to help, but truly couldn't and can't because the research just isn't there to help me. So there's not like, I want to cut to the chase. And you, and you know, I told you when you walked in, I'm a, I'm a physician's son. I grew up in, in nursing stations when dad would do the rounds. And I've got the, a world of respect for people that work in the profession of healthcare. Mm-hmm. So I always find like I approach questions like this carefully. But when we understand that women in particular or, or any element of any demographic are experienced or having a different healthcare experience than others, it begs the question, is there a conspiracy? And I doubt there's a conspiracy, is there? I mean, what's the actual problem? What have you been able to determine, Doc? So it, it isn't a conspiracy. But the, the thing is that all of our medicine is based on the white male. And, and so when we, in medicine, when you practice, you do clinical trials. And those are uh, research where you, uh, you give someone a, a treatment and you determine whether it works or not. And in the heart world, we've done lots of those clinical trials. And it started out with the percentage of women in those clinical trials are 20 or 30%. And so the assumption was that they would respond the same as men do. And at the end of the day, we don't have the evidence that we need for in order to say what treatment works. The other thing that's really different here, though, Ryan, is that we're discovering more and more, and it's really a burgeoning science, but we're really discovering that women, A, they're not small men, but their hearts, we have different heart, even I, I don't, I hate the word disease, because we have different heart events that are occurring for different reasons. So one of the things that we're seeing more and more frequently is a thing called SCAD, and that's sudden coronary artery dissection. Your your coronary artery dissects, so it breaks. It like sounds that. like a major event. It's a major event, and you might have a heart attack. But 95% of the people who suffer from a SCAD is, are women. And we just don't have evidence on how to diagnosis, diagnose it prior to it happening. We don't have evidence on what treatment works because it's fairly new. Um, the other thing that women suffer more frequently from is um, vasospasm, which is when your vessel spasms. And that's what um, yeah, Bob, that's my Bobby Joe had. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you don't catch it spasming, you're, and when she gets pain, it's probably that the spasm is happening. But go into the doctor or go into the emergency and they'll check you out and there's no spasm happening. Because it's done. Because it's done, right? Like it's it's like a muscle cramp that goes away. But every time that spasming is happening in your heart, you're actually decreasing the oxygen that's going to your heart. So you're damaging your heart every time it's happening. And so Bobby Joe's experience is not unique. And so we're trying to create awareness, not just among women, because the women, you, sh- you should hear the, the extremes that Bobby Joe had to go through to get people to listen to her. Can you tell us? Would, would you give us an example? There's so many. Like, you know, just starting off from I, I was wishing. I remember like wholeheartedly wishing I would have a heart attack because I knew the heart attack would show up. Just to bring resolution, just, just to help. Just for somebody, just to, just so that I could get the crazy label off of my file, right? Just so we could stop with the psych consult and you could stop telling me about stress management and stop giving me Ativan at the emergency. Like just somebody just believe me 
and I knew if I had a heart attack, then somebody, now here I am, like you said, I'm with two kids, two small kids. My daughter has only known me ill, right? She's, she's going to be 10. So I was just wishing for it, like wishing for a heart attack so that somebody would just take me seriously. Oh, and, and Bobby Joe had to do things like bring her husband into the emergency oh, yeah. department with her so that they would listen to him because they weren't listening to her anymore. The, the, uh, the other thing you mentioned is, you know, worrying about the kids. So she would say she's going for a massage. Her kids think she's the most massaged person in in the province. Yeah, mom's spending all her time at the spa. At the spa. In the lap of luxury. Yeah, wishing for a heart attack. Right? Yeah. But she was saying that and going to the emergency department so her kids wouldn't know that she was ill. I mean, it's just the the lengths that people have to go to. And so one of our, we're we're doing a a session on February 13th uh, that anyone is welcome to join online. But, um, Bobby Joe is going to talk about coaching p- women on how to talk. So the other thing we've discovered through all of our research is that um, women use a different language and they they look at things differently and they worry about caring for their child before they even go into an emergency department. And one of the things Bobby Joe said to me, and it's so true, is if you go into the emergency, a woman will say, well, I have this incredible chest pain, but but I think it could be due to I hurt my shoulder two weeks ago. And... Bobby Joe said, just stop. I have this chest pain. Don't say, but it could be. Because right. then you're sending the clinician off down a path that you don't want to do. So we're we're doing this coaching session to say, this is what you need to say when you go in there so that you get the answers that you need. We, we, we uh, endeavor to have a, at least one wake-up call every show here on Real Talk. Here's a wake-up call. Cardiovascular disease is the leading cause of premature death for women in Canada. But according to research from the University of Alberta, 78% of women, can I say four out of five, with heart disease are initially misdiagnosed. So it's the leading cause of premature death for women, but four out of five are initially misdiagnosed. We're sounding the alarm. Yeah, and and the thing is that if you ask a woman, you know, what are you afraid of? Uh, Most will tell you breast cancer, but the bottom line is you're six times more likely to die of heart disease than breast cancer. Every 20 minutes in Canada, a woman... uh, a woman dies from heart disease. Wow. And I think too, we just have this notion that if you're going to have heart disease and you're going to have chest pain, that you're going to be overweight. You're going to be over 65. Diabetic. You're going to be diabetic. High you're, blood pressure. Yeah, yeah. You're just going to be like the picture of unhealth, but it's not true. And then we also think that, hey, you have to have high cholesterol and maybe your sugars are out of whack and maybe, you know, you've been not exercising for 10 years, but failing to understand that women have specific risk factors that have to do with hormones, right? Like early menopause, if you, what were the other ones that uh, we had? Pregnancy. pregnancy, if you had complications, complications in pregnancy. So in the old days, if you had high blood pressure, or you had a thing called gestational diabetes, it happens when you're pregnant, you would be told to just go on home um, after your pregnancy occurred and just go home, it, it's resolved. We now know that if you have high blood pressure or if you have diabetes or if you have a thing called preeclampsia, you are way higher risk of developing early heart disease during pregnancy yeah if you have those things during pregnancy then you're more likely to have it so we're not trying to scare people but if you had high blood pressure during your pregnancy then you need to pay special attention 
to the risks that could. Yeah, I don't think I don't think you're scaring people. You know, you're not scaring people. I, I think that the average person wants the information. I mean, imagine if you had that information 10 years ago. Right. So you ultimately if I understand correctly. You got some of the answers that you were craving uh, from a new kind of angiogram right. at the Mazinkowski Albert Heart Institute in Edmonton. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and now you're stepping up as a regional co-chair. Part of the reason why you're here in the studio today, a regional co-chair for Wear Red Canada Day, which is coming up on February 13th. And, and people can check that out online at wearredcanada.ca. What do you want people to be keeping in mind? You mentioned that coaching session, which is a really great uh, initiative, obviously a great resource for people. You want everybody to wear red and, and, and follow the hashtags and, and pump that out and raise awareness. What's one thing you want people to take away? You want one people to be focusing on or thinking about coming up on February 13th? I really just need women and men who love women to understand that we need to know the signs and symptoms of women with heart disease. That's the first step. The signs is going to take a long time to, you know, catch up into our hospitals and be there. But we need to know what we're looking for, what our risks are, so that we can act in a timely manner. Absolutely. You might be saving a life by being here today. How about you, Doc? What should people be focusing on? One thing to take away on February 13th. Um, I, I think the one thing is that as women, you have to be strong. And you have to advocate for yourself. And, you know, the oxygen mask thing on the airplane, that's what we're telling women, is that you have to put your oxygen mask on first. So you have to take care of yourself before um, you're able to take care of anybody else. So know your risks, know what the signs and Mm. symptoms are, and believe yourself. Like, if something's wrong, um, someone was saying, oh, uh, women are complainers or women experience pain differently. Bottom line is if a woman shows up at an emergency department or at a hospital, it's because they've tried everything else. They need your help and we need to listen to them. Uh, yeah. Um, can I can I wrap with a question? I hope, I mean, you're, you're here, no pun, wearing your heart on your sleeve. You're here telling us all about your journey. Is everything okay now? I mean, are you still, uh, I, I know that we're prying a little bit to the present day, but where does everything stand now? No, um, I am still on disability. I am still looking for proper treatment. Um, my cardiologists and myself, we try different combinations of meds. We, you know, outsource from other countries. We see what we can get and what's working and what's what's coming up. And um, I just kind of live pacing. So taking rest breaks and not overdoing myself uh, and just being kind to myself in just, the process. Just so I'm understanding correctly, you're sourcing out your own meds? Nope. My, we work together as a team, like me and my cardiologist. Oh, I if, see. Okay. Yep, and if something comes up in another country that's working that we don't have available yet, they'll outsource and bring it in. And Bobby we'll Joe is incredible at, like, I, I use her as an investigative research assistant all the time because she's reading all the time and tells me about things that are going on in other countries or other treatments in the oh yeah we should follow that up we need to do that in canada wow and every reason in the world to do it two beautiful kids at home yeah thanks for doing this thanks for the for the candor uh thanks for the reality check thanks for the research that you're doing and for the wake-up call for all of us i mean i'm not I, i i don't just say these things i mean i really believe that somebody that's listening today or, or somebody that's going to have this podcast or this YouTube episode shared with them, this could change their life. There could be somebody right now experiencing the exact same symptoms you did that has no idea that this isn't in their head, that this isn't stress related. I know you know that. Unbelievable. That's Bobby Joe Green and Dr. Colleen Norris. If you want to learn more about this, you can always check out the show notes on the podcast, on the YouTube episode. And of course, Wear Red Canada on February 13th. You can learn more at Wear Red Canada dot ca 
Coming up in just a moment, we're going to check in with Alberta's official opposition leader. She wants to be premier again. That's Rachel Notley in two minutes. First, we're excited to tell you about the launch of our Real Talk cask number two, Maple Bourbon. We launched it officially yesterday, and it's now available for uh, for purchase at Whiskey Drop. In Edmonton on 149th Street, you're going, ah, dang it, I live in Halifax. Oh, shoot. I live in Nanaimo. They'll ship anywhere in Canada. You go to whiskeydrop.ca. Super easy to find. Use the search tab and check out Real Talk. Once you do that, you'll find our Real Talk cask number two, Maple Bourbon, which is distilled and presented by Broken Barrel Whiskey Company out of California. It's a special cask release from us to you. One of the things we love about how Broken Barrel does business, they take these whiskey barrels that have been used in past, you know the huge amount of flavor that is contained in that wood, and they smash them up with sledgehammers. These little splinters, these pieces of wood are called staves, and they throw the staves, all that smashed up, busted up wood with all that flavor, they throw the staves back into a a barrel, and then of course that's where they distill this whiskey. It's finished in a beautifully smooth maple bourbon fashion. And let me tell you, if you enjoy old fashions, you are going to love Real Talk Cask Number 2. This is an extremely limited edition bourbon. There's just over 100 bottles available, and they're going to go fast. You can pick yours up today at Whiskey Drop in Edmonton or order online. They'll ship to you. We're doing this in partnership with PWS Imports. So excited. Tomorrow night, Real Talk Patreon supporters have an invitation to join us for an exclusive sit-down whiskey tasting. That goes tomorrow night here in Edmonton. If you're a Patreon supporter, check your email, and we look forward to seeing you all out there. Professional engineers across Canada... We, on behalf of our friends at Apex Automation, are excited to let you know they are hiring. Yeah, that's right. You can go to apexautomation.ca right now. Click on Learn More, and you can see all of the opportunities there. Of course, that await Apex Automation is Canada's leader in automation practices. You can check out their partners and certifications, the work that they're doing with autonomous vehicles and machinery. Super cool stuff. Advanced process control, robotics. I mean, you want to challenge, you want to infuse some life and energy back into your career. Alarm management, terminal management. You want to live on the West Coast. You want to live in the U.S. You want to live in Eastern Canada. You're loving your life on the prairies. Apex Automation is opening field offices faster than we can keep track. You can find them online today at apexautomation.ca. If you're looking to transform your outdoor space, bring it to life this summer. You're sick and tired of looking at that spotty lawn or that boring, uninspired landscape, the one that came for free when you built your new home, or maybe the one that's been there for many, many years, but you know that you can do better. Why not contact Eden Landscaping today? Mike and his team would love to hear about your vision and put a plan together. They're not designing your yard for a magazine. It'll be ready for one. Trust me, but they're designing it for you. They never lose sight of their goal from design through completion, and that is making your vision come to life. You can follow the link at landscapeedmonton.ca to learn how they work. It'll give you some insight into what full-service custom landscaping actually looks like. They believe that a well-designed and constructed landscape should do more than just cross items 
off a wish list, right? LandscapeEdmonton.ca is where you'll find Eden Landscaping. And right before we talk politics, let me remind you that a big part of the election campaigns we're hearing about are going to do with budgets. They're going to be talking about people's bottom lines. Well, here's an angle on how your family could start saving money right now. Our friends at Park Power, your friendly local utilities provider, would love to take your business over. They'd love to save you money when it comes to what you're paying for electricity, natural gas, and internet. There's no other utilities provider that cares more about the communities where they operate. You know how I know that? Because Park Power takes a portion of their proceeds and they donate it to nonprofits. You tell me about another big company that's doing that. As a matter of fact, as a Park Power customer, you get to choose which nonprofit's going to benefit from your business. How cool is that? You can find all the details on their website, parkpower.ca. Don't forget, the new promo code, REALTALK23, is a bundling saver, which means that 50 bucks for electricity, 50 for natural gas, and 50 bucks for internet knocked off your first bill when you bundle utility services at parkpower.ca. Well, I probably don't have to tell you, regardless of where in Canada you're catching this show, Albertans are preparing for a battle royale being described as a two-horse race. It's Danielle Smith and her United Conservative Party versus Rachel Notley and her New Democrat Party. Both candidates, both party leaders understand what it's like to be Alberta's premier. Rachel Notley was exactly that from 2015 to 2019, and she wants the keys to the office back. Joining us live here on Real Talk, it's nice to see you again. It feels like it's been a while since we connected. How have you been? Uh, Pretty good. How about you? Yeah, not too bad at all. We we were having some fun with The Handshake, the story that made headlines yesterday. Alberta Premier Danielle Smith and and the Prime Minister, as a political leader, as a former premier, as an opposition leader, uh, as a party leader, how important is a good, strong handshake? Uh, Well, obviously, it it doesn't hurt to um, avoid making that the story, uh, for sure. I don't think I really have a a firm position um, on the handshake, uh, but uh, I will say it's it's somewhat symbolic of the generally ineffective um, uh, effort that uh, our premier has been able to make with respect to securing uh, strong benefits for Albertans out of the federal government. Uh, why don't we talk uh, right out of the gates about healthcare funding? Because I know that that's that's one of the things that Albertans care about, and that's one of the things that that Canadian premiers and other political leaders have been making a lot of noise about, and that's the relationship with Ottawa and, and what premiers will describe. as as, as chronic underfunding. Now, the federal government, as if I need to tell you, is going to point back to the provinces and say, hey, listen, that's more your wheelhouse than ours. Uh, People are going to be asking you between now and May, what's the NDP's plan to fix health care? Uh, well, let, let me start just first of all with the with the federal announcement yesterday. I mean, I, I will say on this, there is some alignment uh, between me and, well, frankly, all the premiers, not just uh, Daniel Smith, in that uh, I was a bit underwhelmed by the announcement yesterday uh, The in terms of the funding that the federal government is putting forward. It more or less will sort of preserve the status quo um, once you take into account inflation. And of course, that is not what we need in Canada. 
Canada right now. Um, the status quo is not working right now, and families are suffering as a result, uh, and they're not able to get the health care that they need uh, when they need it. So there's this is a long and, and big conversation in terms of what we do to restore our public health care system to the point where people can, can count on it when they need it. But uh, there's a lot of key things that we need to start with. You know, we need to be uh, uh, expanding people's access to family health care because that preventative thing will ultimately take the pressure off, uh, you know, our hospitals and our ambulances. We need to be listening to our frontline healthcare professionals, uh, paramedics, when it comes to uh, dealing with the challenges around ambulance response times. And then, of course, we need to be uh, engaging in a whole range of things to, to recruit and bring more folks back into the work of providing health care so that we can help deal with the the wait times that we're experiencing uh, at so many different levels right now. And to give people some perspective, so yesterday the Prime Minister's office announcing an additional $46 billion over 10 years uh, for the provinces. That's an increase of about 9.3%, but it's, it's far below what the provinces have been asking for, which is $28 billion a year. How much about this is just money and, and, and how much of this is about more different approaches efficiencies everything else that people talk about in any corporate or organizational setting when they're trying to find ways to do better uh you know it's it, it's about both i mean certainly you know in alberta let's not forget i mean uh this ucp government has done a very good job of sort of hiding the degree to which they've actually cut funding with respect to our health care um they put more money in to deal with the emergency of covid but it was very episodic it was unpredictable and it doesn't uh, run from one year to the next. And so in terms of, you know, administrative efficiency and all that kind of stuff, you can't actually build a system around uh, money that you're not going to get the following year or the year after. And overall, when you look at the the budget that that uh, is consistent from year to year to year in Alberta, uh, this UCP government has not funded for either inflation or population growth. So on the basis of those things, we've actually lost about $1.7 billion in our healthcare system in Alberta since the UCP was elected in 2019. And that has consequences. You can't take that amount of money out of a healthcare system and expect that not to show up somewhere. That's the reality right now. When you add to it the additional pressures that have come and that still exist as a result of COVID, um, it's hardly surprising that we're seeing some of the challenges that we are. Um, but on top of that, we do have to also look at how we do things differently. We're going to be rolling out a plan in the next uh, a couple of weeks around uh, how we deliver family medicine in a way that makes sure that people can get the kind of care that they need when they need it to not only deal with sort of uh, uh, milder conditions before they get to the point of having to end, you know, call an ambulance or drive to the ER, but also to help with preventative care. Do you think that uh, I mean, the, the, the health minister announcing a while ago, I guess a couple of weeks ago now, the addition of 20 ambulances across the province? I mean, I don't know anyone that's going to argue against that, but your assessment on the degree to which it'll help deal with that strain on resources? Well, I mean, it's 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 a drop in the bucket. Look, look I mean, the first of all, the the so-called new ambulances aren't even new ambulances. They are um, uh, rehabilitated old ambulances. They can't actually get the new ambulances to Alberta because uh, there's a supply chain problem. But more to the point, uh, if there's no people in them, it doesn't really matter. 
Um, and, and so that's the problem that we have is we have a shortage of paramedics. They're burning out. We literally, we're, we're treating them like, well, not treating them like we are. They are actually contract employees. They don't get sick benefits. They don't get uh, health benefits. They don't get pension benefits. Their contract is renewed every uh, 89 days. Um, and, and these are people that we expect to, to answer when there's an emergency to save our lives. And I'm not exactly sure why this government thinks that's the way to, to manage and recruit to that particular workforce. But what we do know is that it's not working. And, and so, um, uh, we need to uh, figure out how to make sure that we treat these people with the respect they deserve so that we have enough of them to drive these new ambulances that the government's very excited about refurbishing. I want to ask you about the just transition. Uh, I'm not sure that the average person really even understands what this is all about. As a matter of fact, I talked to somebody last week who was calling it the just transition, like as though it's the just transition already. And I said, no, it's the just transition. And then even then, I mean, uh, unfortunately, you know, certain former hockey players, for example, have big platforms and certain former CBC television stars have big platforms and they're leading people to believe that all of the industries are being shut down and shuttered and there will be no more revenue and everybody's going to be in communist bread lines. And to be fair, I've talked to some people that vote NDP that have been disappointed. They don't believe that the NDP is doing enough to champion it. They feel like there's been a bit of a diluted perspective on it. Where do you stand on the just transition? Well, let me uh, start from the position that I have taken since pretty much, uh, you know, I, I became leader of Alberta's NDP in 2014, which is that if you pit economic growth against uh, environmental protection and responsibility, uh, you will fail on both. And that has been my position from day one. There is no question we must reduce emissions within the oil and gas sector. Um, when it comes to what the federal government has been doing over the course of the last 12 to 18 months in that area, um, I've been very clear uh, late last or early last year when the current environment minister came out and put out his, um, his proposed emissions cap that that cap was not realistic and that by putting out a cap that was not realistic, you were going to chase away investment. You were going to chase away the investment that we needed to enact, to, to actually reduce emissions and that you were going to, you were going to create a uh, fear and you weren't going to succeed because it wasn't realistic. Subsequently, the federal uh, uh, parliamentary budget officer um, came, uh, affirmed uh, our position on this and said, yes, this this cap is not realistic. It cannot be achieved. It's not technologically possible within the period of time between now and 2030 to get to that level. So what we said then is like, let's pick a cap that is realistic and achievable. And then let's work out and start negotiating, get to the table, roll up our sleeves, have some hard conversations about how we're going to get to that cap. Ultimately, in my view, that whole process has always been something that I've seen as an opportunity for Albertans, not a burden. It is an opportunity to attract more investment, more uh, investment into uh, green tech in order to uh, uh, reduce emissions while maintaining the same or greater level of employment within the industry. This is sort of the framework of that model, reducing emissions, getting to net zero ultimately by 2050, getting there on a, a not just pushing it down the, 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 the highway and not making progress on the way, because we absolutely have to do that, but doing it realistically. 
My frustration is that uh, this provincial government has weaponized and politicized that conversation so much that that work uh, between the provincial government and the federal government and industry leaders has been completely and fundamentally stalled for the last 12 to 18 months. Then what we've had since then is the federal government off in Ottawa, in its own little world, beavering away on a plan that they think should be the plan. Well, sorry, but they're not the people that should be uh, putting together this plan. It should be Albertans. And, And so when it became clear that the plan was almost at the point that they were going to, quote unquote, engage in something that would have significant disruptive effects on uh, uh, hundreds of thousands of people, primarily in Ottawa, not all of them. And let me be very clear, that characterization of the document that came out in early January was incendiary and inaccurate and inappropriate, the one that the Premier was promoting. But the, the document itself did talk about a scope of change that was very concerning and a scope of change that Albertans had not been part of the discussion around. And so that is why we have said, whoa, We've got to get Albertans to the table and we need to be talking about realistic plans where the federal government comes in and puts in realistic amounts of money and industry does their part and that they have invest enough investment certainty so that they can start putting those big dollars into the project of reducing those emissions. Yeah. So I know that took a long time to say hey. it's not a 30-second conversation, but it is a desperately important one. I agree. And uh, to be clear, we'll make all the time in the world for, for yourself and for other party <laughs> leaders to come on here between now and May and explain their plan for the future of the province because we give a real rip about it. And I know you know that, and I know you do too. It's widely understood that to form government, you got to win two of three. As if I'm going to say anything you don't know already. you got to either win Edmonton and Calgary, Edmonton and rural, or Calgary and rural, right? Uh, so what's your plan? I mean, I'm not privy to your itinerary over the next number of months, but I suspect you'll be spending a ton of time down in Calgary. How do you win Calgary? What's your plan? Well, we're going to be talking, frankly, to all Albertans. We're going to be talking about uh, our vision for the future of this province. We're going to be talking about uh, meaningful actions to to support families uh, with the affordability crisis that they are experiencing right now. Um, you know, I saw you talking earlier about utility rates. Uh, the provincial government right now has a so-called plan to help with utility rates that simply pushes all those extra charges to July, <laughs> that are all going to show up on people's bills in July, coincidentally and conveniently after the election. We need uh, a more meaningful, uh, a more realistic plan to help Alberta families cope with the uh, uh, extra costs that they're facing. We're going to be talking to all Albertans about healthcare, just as we we were, because uh, this is probably the most important thing in Albertans' minds right now, uh, because our healthcare system is at a, at a crossroads, and folks need to know that that they or their loved ones can get the care they need when they need it, regardless of how much money is in their pocket or where in the province they live. And we're going to be talking about, just as I was, about thoughtful ways to uh, support investors and job creators uh, in all sectors across this province to make sure uh, that we are a more resilient uh, economy overall and that um, uh, folks have uh, opportunities long into the future. Uh, As we run up against the clock on interviews like this, and I still have a million questions, can we do a rapid fire round where you say yes or no? I know politicians don't love these, but (laughs) but will you play 
with me here for a second? Is there? Well, we could try. Is, we'll is, is there? <laughs> is there room in your mind? Is there room in your vision for Alberta's budget to cooperate with the city of Calgary with provincial funding on a new arena? Um, listen, I, in many ways, it's it's uh, the argument is that it's already happened. Uh, under our government, we did a new CRL. So it was a second CRL for Calgary um, in 2018 that provided uh, $200 million to the Stampede and the city for the purposes of building a convention center immediately adjacent to where the new event center would be. So that whole project together, the federal provincial government already has a lot of money in the game. And we know that the city and uh, the province uh, was, or sorry, the city and the team was literally $10 million away from a deal about 18 months ago. So, you know, we'll keep an open mind for the whole thing, but it will be an open mind that is uh, viewing it through that context. Is, is there, that yeah, not bad, not bad. Under three minutes. <laughs> that was pretty good. Is there any room, is there any room in your mind? Are you intrigued by the potential of an Alberta pension plan? Absolutely not. Under no circumstances. Okay. Full stop. No, never. People care about their bottom lines, arguably more than anything else when it comes to election issues right now. Would you look to re-regulate or reintroduce caps on things like uh, insurance for vehicles, tuition yes. and utilities? Yes. Yes. All okay. those things, those the, all of those things are driving up prices for regular families that making it very hard for them at the end of each month. We put those caps in place to help families. Uh, the UCP claimed to worry about people's costs, took those caps off. Insurance companies are making out like nobody's business. Uh, tuition is now the highest in the country. Again, uh, our utility bills, as I was saying, you, you just saw that. So um we, we need to be helping families with those costs. They, they matter a lot to people's budgets each and every month. Is there any way that you or your government, if you were to form government in May, would consider utilizing resources like privately owned and operated surgical facilities to cut down on wait times? Well, we've already got some that are in place and it's costly to pull back from them. I think there is a lot to be said for focusing efforts on certain types of surgeries. But in the past, uh, we had a great example in the mid 2000s uh, where we had um, uh, publicly run uh, knee and hip surgeries in Edmonton and privately run knee and hip surgeries in Calgary. The ones in Edmonton shortened wait times dramatically. The ones in Calgary went out of business and ultimately had to be bought out and bailed out by the public sector. So I think you can efficiently deliver, but if the more you uh, build in the need for a profit, the more it's going to cost the taxpayer. That's just that's just math. Hmm. And final question, and this goes to a real talker by the name of Connor, who took us up on our invitation to send you a question. We'll give him the last word. He, he says, I work as an environmental consultant in oil and gas, and I'd like to know what Ms. Notley's plan is to encourage or push oil and gas companies to complete legally required remediation and reclamation activities at sites. He says, I am not referring to the Orphan Well Association, but active producers. I'm curious if her plan involves more carrots or sticks to get these sites dealt with. Well, I think uh, it's probably going to be a combination of both. Uh, and we've talked about uh, looking at uh, the AER and giving them more authority um, uh, with respect to uh, how they link their approvals to both unpaid bills to municipalities, as well as uh, reclamation efforts. And uh, so um, that that's where we're going to that would be the agency through which we did that work. Okay, well, we're all about to go pedal to the metal between now and May. We're looking forward to it, and I'll look forward to future conversations. Thanks for making yourself available today. We appreciate it. Okay.
Good to talk to you. Yeah. Lovely office, by the way. Hey, thanks. We'll show it off to you next time in studio. Uh, that's All the right. leader of Alberta's official opposition. A former premier wants the job again, Rachel Notley. You can let us know what you thought about the interview by sending us an email to talk at ryanjesperson.com, and we'll make time uh, in future shows to get to that. We want to know as our election coverage gets set to ramp up. I mean, this is exciting, Johnny. This is like for sports lovers. This is like right before the playoffs. I know, it's, right? Yeah. And so we're we're looking to we can do our show differently than all the others. And those are boring radio shows, right? Mm-hmm. We can do things a little bit differently here. So we're putting our plan together. We've got a good idea of what it's going to look like for election coverage. But real talkers, this is your show. What do you want us to be talking about? You've got to let us know. Don't let me sit here in this chair and. Pre- proclaim what people's election priorities are, what the main election issue is. You remember 2019 was spun as a, and I guess turned out to be in a sense, ish, a referendum on the carbon tax. That's how former Premier Jason Kenney described it anyway. What's this one? Is this one all about folks' bottom lines with inflation up? Is that what it is with costs up? Probably. Uh, People concerned about the future of some of Alberta's golden geese, But of course, also people concerned about where Alberta is going to be 30 or 40 or 50 years from now. Whose vision do you trust? That's the question. And I think if you're trying to pin down who's going to win this election right now, it's a bit of a fool's errand. Because I think that this election, I think that this one's going to be tighter, Mm -hmm. certainly than 2019. Mm -hmm. And I think that there's obviously a lot at stake. It's going to be very tight, like a firm handshake. (laughs) (laughs) She didn't really want to touch that one, did she? No, she didn't. But I will say that Rachel, and I know we don't talk about like who we vote for and stuff on the show. Oh, you can. Well, we can, but we won't. Uh, But she's honest, direct, and to the point. That's what I love about her. Like all politicians, they try to swerve this way or that way. She always just answers the question. Like even the rapid fire, she answered the question, but she felt like she had to elaborate. But she's quick. And she doesn't like mess around. So I like me some Rachel Notley. Yeah. I still don't have the follow though, Rachel, on Twitter. Oh, Come yeah, on, let's go shame, here. Shamelessly <laughs> asking for the follow. Uh, yeah, well, uh, obviously we're in, in contact with United Conservatives as, as well, and we'll be speaking with uh, Premier Danielle Smith, we believe, in the short-term future. As you know, she's out right now uh, meeting with the Prime Minister, talking health care and everything else. That health care deal, boy, provinces want another $28 billion a year from Ottawa to deal with some of the strains on the health care system. It's, it's been a theme running through today's show, hasn't it? with the heart disease wake-up call out of the gates and this. Want to let you know our plan tomorrow is to talk about remediation and reclamation and the environmental impacts of Alberta's energy industry, and we believe that we'll have an interview on that. That's coming up on Thursday's Real Talk. Every Wednesday, we we give ourselves an opportunity to just forget about the news cycle, forget about some of the things that stress us out, and just head out to the mountains It's My Jasper Memories, presented by our friends at Tourism Jasper. And this, you remember that scene from Back to the Future? When when Chuck Berry gets up to the mic, Johnny, at the high school dance and says, this is for all you lovers out there. (laughs) This is for all you lovers out there. If you don't yet have a plan for Valentine's Day, Tourism Jasper's got you covered. Don't you worry about it. There's nothing like a romantic Valentine's celebration in the mountains that's right Uh, planning the perfect valentine's day can be tricky though and jasper national park 
makes it easier. You know, for example, skating, you know, glide hand in mittened hand with your sweetheart on one of Jasper's many glacier fed lakes, which arguably become even more magical. Yeah, that's right. More magical when they're frozen. Uh, If you lace up at Lake Mildred, for example, this is one of our favorite places to be. Uh, You're going to understand very quickly, not only do you have a groomed oval with mountains in the background, but also you're going to enjoy the convenience of renting skates from a nearby winter rental shop on the grounds of the Fairmont Jasper Park Lodge. By the way, you can check out everything I'm talking about right now, including five unforgettable ways to make the most of Jasper's lakes in winter at jasper.travel. What about a food tour? Hey, get in the mood on Valentine's Day with a drool-worthy and sensuous food tour featuring excellent dishes each one of them paired with a beverage storytelling and a whole lot more the delicious downtown foodie tour is led by longtime jasper local estelle blanchette the jasper food tours is a great way to taste a variety of rocky mountain cuisine while also getting a sense of the town's history and culture learn a little bit more about where you're visiting of course It's not really a visit to Jasper without a day on the slopes at Marmot Basin, is it? Nothing can make your heart pound quite like new love. But Marmot Basin Ski Resort will give them a run for their money with a balanced variety of difficulty levels. Our little guy Wyatt loves ripping there. And and me with 35 years under my belt, I'm challenged every time I'm out there. And there's no lift lines. I mean, honestly, you do not wait in lift lines at Marmot. You and your sweetie can shred the slopes curl up next to the fireplace after in the mid-mountain chalet. Johnny, they've got those big ripping bonfires out there. Oh, I love it. You cannot ride past the mid-mountain chalet if you smell that (laughs) bonfire burning. Go grab a cold one. Keep it cold by putting the pint glass in the snow. Oh, man. Jasper's got a whole lot of fireplaces around town as well, you know, thanks to its long-standing cabin culture. Uh, So you can find a fun and inventive twist on the much less romantic bar crawl. (laughs) Why not hop between fireplaces over the course of a few days? And then, of course, you can achieve classic Hollywood feels, all right? Classic Hollywood feels with a wonderful sleigh ride. Yes, there will be bells. Yes, there will be picture-perfect views. Yes, there will be memory-making magic. Jasper Riding Stables runs the rides on select days through the winter, conditions permitting. There's, of course, the Moline Canyon Ice Walk. If you want to check out my Instagram for photos on that, there is nothing like the visuals that come with a Moline Canyon Ice Walk. They get you all set up. You got the crampons, right? So you're not slipping around. They're going to get you set up with the helmets and even a tour guide, but then they'll turn you loose into an absolutely astounding setting that is Moline Canyon in the winter. And of course, what would be a weekend in Jasper without a couple's massage at the Fairmont Spa at the Fairmont Jasper Park Lodge? Honestly, the most beautiful spa in the province is at the Fairmont JPL, plus the planetarium experience there, which is a, a whole other take on if you, I mean, if you thought that stargazing is, is romantic when you're doing it on a on a picnic table or, or, or maybe looking up, laying on a blanket in the middle of the city, what, what about spending time in the world's largest accessible dark sky preserve? Uh, you can check out the nightly planetarium experience again at jasper.travel, a new 50-seat dome theater. I've been in there. It is Unreal, absolutely mind blowing, so very cool. And of course, you can launch Styward as well 
Uh, get up into there. Get up as high as you can with a helicopter tour, a once-in-a-lifetime view with your once-in-a-lifetime love. You can show your love the world. I don't know, maybe pop a question while you're up there? I don't know. Just saying. There are so many Valentine's Day options, and you can find more about them all by visiting Tourism Jasper online today at jasper.travel. When you do post your My Jasper memories on Instagram, on Twitter, make sure you use the hashtags MyJasper and RealTalkRJ. We would love to see your Jasper memories. Now, of course, there are other things happening in the world around us, uh, including uh, absolute devastation in Turkey and Syria. And just because we've talking, we've been talking about issues close to home and we're talking provincial and federal politics and we're discussing the economy, it doesn't mean that these stories are not on our radar. It's heartbreaking. It's absolutely devastating to see the toll that this earthquake has taken as rescue and recovery efforts continue right now. And we wanted to show you a video this is absolutely powerful stuff. And I'll describe it for those of you that are listening on the podcast. This was a video that was posted yesterday by the White Helmets. You're familiar with them, right? Well, this is a reminder that this work that is still being done in many circumstances is still saving lives. This is one of the most powerful things I've ever seen. If you're like me, as you hear these cheers among a population devastated, sorrow and sadness, a reminder that entire families are still being rescued from under the rubble. This is an entire family that was pulled out from a collapsed house yesterday, Tuesday, February 7th, in the village of Biznia. This a reminder that people are still being saved. Now, it's not to suggest that the thousands of people that have perished are not worth the focus. This is not to suggest that the sorrow and the tragedy here will remain an impact on these nations, these people, for decades to come. But I don't know about you, Johnny. When I saw this video posted from the official white helmets account on twitter it gave me a reason mm -hmm. to for a brief moment smile a moment to remember that lives will be saved by yeah. people working tirelessly around the clock mm -hmm. i also posted something on my twitter and you can find me on twitter at ryan jesperson just this morning i said i'm having a hard time finding the words around this but this reported by Zaina Urheim, who's there, a girl. Look at this video. If you follow me on Twitter, you can see this. Uh, a girl born under the wreckage. I'm not sure I've ever seen a story like this still connected by umbilical cord to her mother, who did not survive the collapse. Her father there beside her did not survive the collapse but the girl was born under the wreckage during the earthquake in Afrin in Syria. She made it out alive, born an orphan. This is a story that we are following. And of course, we're curious to know where you're at on it. There are many personal connections, including with the so many new Canadians that have fled 
Syria over the past number of years. With our story, storytelling, we endeavor to make an impact, and you can help us do that. You can share your insights with us, your story suggestions, the angles you'd like to see covered by, of course, sending us a quick note either on Twitter with the hashtag RealTalkRJ or by sending us an email to talk at RyanJesperson.com. You know, sometimes I don't know how we make our way through the day in what yeah. feels like and what is a very privileged part of the world. What's well, your morning gratefulness? And I used to call it sad news. My partner, Jatinder, does this to me every morning before I leave for work. She shows me like three headlines. They're usually all like bad or, you know, the world is ending. And I used sure. to I used to be like get a little annoyed with it. Um but it really has turned into morning gratefulness. This morning, we're you know we're talking about people devastated right now. She showed me a picture of a an orphan, well, a young baby found in the rubble at one of the strikes in the Ukraine right wow. now. And it's just like we have so much to be thankful for living in one of the best countries in the world on the planet. And the little things we're arguing about over here just don't compare to what's going on in the rest of the world. So unbelievable. A cup of cup of morning gratefulness every morning will do you good brenda's letting us know in our live chat she says uh, a woman gave birth under the rubble and they were able to save the baby there uh, tracy says my heart breaks for these people there will be more earthquakes floods fires over the next decade uh, tracy says i'm happy to see that canada has made a financial commitment and, and we would expect that that uh, would increase as well from the global community mark making a very good point says unfortunately the type of building construction over there means that many of these buildings cannot withstand earthquakes yeah. which of course is very true and then tracy putting something on our radar i didn't know this was true this is a different tracy by the way says can you believe there are people who thinks who think the whole situation in turkey is a hoax i i, I didn't know that what? i guess i'm not surprised anymore maybe i have them all blocked already on twitter <sighs> for my own mental health i don't know a hoax what on earth Ridiculous. Between that and the 15-minute cities and the just transition, and or have we moved the past the moon landing? Or the 15-minute cities, oh yeah. my gosh. I, yeah, I like. was all over uh, Kristen Rayworth's Twitter last night. There's just a lot of great content on there, and she was talking about it, yeah. Yeah, former Real Talk guest. You can find her at Kristen Rayworth. I haven't seen it, but I'll check it out. Hey, before we go, and I wanted to show you something else. We're going to wrap the show today with an achievement that's going to absolutely blow your mind. That's coming up in <laughs> 30 seconds. It happened on the roof of Fire Hall 2 yesterday. You remember they're camping up there right now. I told you about this yesterday, right? At the at the Edmonton rooftop campout. This is at Fire Hall number two. You can check it out online at edmontonrooftopcampout.ca. Uh, we talked yesterday to Courtney Polson, uh, who's been doing this for 10 years. They're not leaving that rooftop. And it's not like they don't come down at night. They don't see their families. They're, they're living up there until they raise $80,000 for muscular dystrophy. Uh, we made a donation yesterday on behalf of Real Talk, and we encourage you to do the same at edmontonrooftopcampout.ca. I want to get to the video of that in 30 seconds, but first want to remind you that, hey, speaking of getting up on roof, Tops, the team at Kubi Renewable Energy, well, they're the best in the business at doing that, installing residential and commercial solar power systems in British Columbia, Alberta, Saskatchewan, the Northwest Territories. I mean, they've done some beautiful installs in the mountains. They do a lot of work in Canmore, out of their field office in Kamloops, BC, Bella Coola, Creston, Strathcona County, Sparwood, Pigeon Lake, High River, Cold Lake, you get the idea. They're all over the place helping their clients and customers 
Go Green with some of the cleanest installs you ever did see. Again, kubienergy.ca. You can see how they complete difficult projects, how they install it in a way that doesn't interrupt the aesthetic of your home, but cuts way down on your reliance on traditional utilities. You can get a free quote today from Kubi Energy and ask him to tell you about that Canada Greener Homes grant. That's a $40,000 interest-free loan from the feds. 10 years to pay it back, but you get the solar up there right now. Again, the free quote at kubienergy.ca. So yeah, here's the story we wanted to wrap with. And Johnny, we saw this yesterday and just started laughing. Laughing because I have never met anybody like Wes Bowman. Uh, Wes Bowman is, uh, he, he's, he's one of these ice bath guys. Yeah. Uh, he, he's a first responder. He's an emergency responder. He's a firefighter that has found great personal health benefit mm-hmm. in the cold soaks, in the ice baths. And he is currently doing ice baths, obviously not all day long, but he's doing these ice baths in our home city of Edmonton on the roof of Fire Hall 2 while they're raising money for muscular dystrophy. Well, yesterday he set a world record in an ice bath completing five Rubik's cubes. Wow. <laughs> not one, not three, Here he is doing but it. five Rubik's cubes. That's right. That's Wes Bowman. Unbelievable world record set yesterday in Edmonton on the roof of Fire Hall number two. Now, they want us to let you know, by the way, that the firefighters that are taking part in this, again, edmontonrooftopcampout.ca if you want to pledge your support. Uh, Wes is going to be doing ice baths, and he'd like you to be able to see it. But there's mental preparation that has to go into it. And so you got to give them some advance notice. Mm-hmm. You can either give them a call at fire hall number two, just Google it, or you can, again, check out edmontonrooftopcampo.ca to let them know. If you want to witness what that entails, if you want to talk to them and, and understand, this is a guy that has, has studied under the tutelage of Wim Hof, who's like the guy when it comes to ice baths. You give him a shout ahead of time and look at that. Five Rubik's Cubes solved in an ice bath on the roof of a fire hall in Edmonton. I don't think I've ever seen anything like that. Yeah, he's a real cool dude, somebody said on the uh, chat here. <laughs> bum, 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 bum. <laughs> Coming up on tomorrow's show, we expect that we're going to be talking to two advocates that have made it essentially their life's work to get Alberta cleaned up. We're talking about orphan wells. We're talking about abandoned sites. What needs to happen and how do we cut through the smoke and mirrors on this? We'll get to the bottom of that story. And then a Real Talk Roundtable coming up on Friday. We'll celebrate Black History Month, presented by Urban Timber. Thank you in advance for joining us. Tell your friends about Real Talk. Real Talk is hosted by Ryan Jesperson. Executive producer, Josh Dunford. Technical producer, John Hicks. General manager, Katie Cook-Chivers. Account Coordinator, Lawrence Durlego. Human Resources, Lena Shepard. Website Design, Mike Johnston. VoiceOver by me, Carrie Skelton. Real Talk's editorial board is Sapria Duvetti, Ahmed Ali, Brandi Morin, Anne Castleman, Corey Hogan, Harmon Candola, Catherine O'Neill, and Chris Henderson. Member Emerita, Julie Rohr. Real Talk is recorded in Edmonton, Alberta on Treaty 6 territory, the traditional and ancestral territory of the Cree, Dene, Blackfoot, 
Soto, and Nakota Sioux, home to the Métis Settlements and the Métis Nation of Alberta. Real Talk is a Relay Project. For more, check out ryanjasperson.com.